Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. While alternative models of care aren't specific to the pandemic, it was a jumping off point for new ways of doing things. An unofficial mantra of clinical innovation is providing the right care from the right person at the right place and time. And these pioneering projects are leading the way in developing services with this in mind. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for allowing me to share my project or whatever it is with you all people here. I too wish to acknowledge and respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we meet today and pay respects to the elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge the lived experience of consumers and carers. We respect the, their value, opinions, and their input into service delivery and charge. Throughout this presentation, I'll be talking about patients as consumers because that's the, that's the language that we use. And feel free to ask any questions if you want. I'm very poor at digital technology, but I will try my best. So ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about schizophrenia and mental illness and metabolic monitoring. Schizophrenia is a well-known, very devastating chronic illness for people who suffer from it. And even though it's low prevalence, it's a devastating impact on the life of consumers. Now, it is prevalent, metabolic syndrome is quite prevalent in schizophrenia. And what is metabolic syndrome is it's characterized by central obesity with diabetes, hypertension, and high cholesterol. What it means is these three are the cardiovascular risk factors. So people who have schizophrenia and metabolic syndrome will develop cardiovascular problems. And problem is when they develop these symptoms or cardiovascular problems, the mortality rate is pretty high and uh, their mortality rate is almost three times the general population, and they tend to die about 18 years earlier. Now, that warrants some sort of a treatment and some sort of engagement, some sort of intervention needs to be done. So, however, when we do the interventions, we see that there are significant gaps. First of all, people with mental illness do not have access to physical health services because they don't have access they will not be tested appropriately. Because they're not tested appropriately, there will be issues of any treatments that people can get from, for their mental illness as well as for physical illness. Now, there are many other issues that could be factors there, but one of the key factors is they don't have an integrated services. There is no, there's a lack of cohesion between physical and mental health. So what we have done is we have started a clinic of of an endocrinologist coming within the mental health services 
and then we ran that we ran that for a week once a week for few i mean it's still going on and we looked at a process of whether that will have any impact on the metabolic system especially about the access especially about the monitoring and the treatments and to get some sort of idea we tried to compare it with another population that were recently discharged from mental health services and were attending the obesity clinic. Now, what did we do? We had some champions that we got involved, and the champions were more of, more of few psychiatrists who were actually keen in this. We had two or three clinicians. My, my view is this. We may have fantastic systems. If the word of mouth is not there, you tend to struggle with these initiatives. So we actually spoke with everyone. We said that this is going to be a clinic for all of Metro South. Please do come and uh, attend. Please refer patients. Now, we did that. And for the purpose of this study, we had to go through the ethics, which we did. And consent was not an issue because it was low risk priority and low risk process. So we got that easily and we had ethics. Now, but like any other studies, we had the data analyzed appropriately. What we did was we collected the data before they came into us, once they came into us, and at the time when they left on metabolic parameters and on attendance rates. Now, what did we find? First of all, we tried to assess what's the extent of the illness. Now, shockingly, about 60% of people who came to or who were referred did have this sort of what we call metabolic syndrome. Mind you, that's the only starting. The problem is that those people who were identified has very high rates of cardiovascular disease risk. This is measured by the endocrinologist through their IDF methodology. IDF is International Diabetes Federation. Now, when we looked at, initially we were a bit apprehensive that people may not come in, people may be a bit unsure, but for our, to our surprise, our attendance rates in the clinic were far superior, statistically different to that of people who attended the other diabetic clinic. So that's a positive thing. Now, when we looked at metabolic syndrome itself, ladies and gentlemen, what we did was we measured their blood, blood tests. What we found interesting part was, even though it was only 12 month study, so we did not have significant changes in the weight circumstances. I can't get rid of my weight if, if I want to, so it's, it's pretty bad. And the blood sugar did not change much, but nevertheless, the most important thing, the triglycerides, did show some change. What it told us is that, one, they were able to access, they were able to continue the treatment, and they were able to actually see the difference in changes. Now, we also looked at some other things, which is, if you understand, I work in public health service. Public health service treats one of the most unwell people. So this particular data tells us that majority of people were on medication called clozapine. Clozapine is a medication that is given for resistant type of illnesses, that is for chronic illnesses. So majority of these people were on clozapine, and not uninterestingly, they had high number of metabolic syndrome compared to other antipsychotics. I'm nearly there to the end. So what did we find, ladies and gentlemen? What we found was that the adherence rates are better, but the key part is there should be a process. 
at this stage, what's happening in the world is, if a person with mental illness has physical health issues, they have their own issues of stigma, not able to access, they don't go. Secondly, if they go, the process is they go to their GP, GP refers them to an endocrinologist, and the waiting period is about six months to eight months, and then by that time, the illness has actually increased. So integrating endocrinology services within mental health is one of the crucial things. That's what is there. Now, my proposal and plan when I did this was we wanted to have something, a one-stop shop, where we had endocrinologist, we had diabetic specialist, we had exercise physiologist, and a gym. We had all those facilities. But unfortunately, as it happens, the funding issue came up, and we were able to sustain only the endocrinologist at this stage. Now, improvement in cholesterol is one of the key factors, and that we could actually identify that in 12 months it did happen, cholesterol. So where to from here, ladies and gentlemen? Whenever we devise a system, one of the things that we always struggle is how do we sustain it? In this political climate, probably we will struggle in maintaining that. But fortunately, we had a very good endocrinologist who was able to fund the process on their own. So we're maintaining that as we speak. But that's only part of the story. Now, the other part I have written is more for research purposes that you need to do more studies, blah, 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 and all. But here is my view. Studies and research can go very well, fantastic. But the key part is looking after the people that we serve. This particular project did not initiate any research in any strong way. It was purely our self-interest, my interest in general, to actually initiate and provide services to the people that actually deserve a bit more. That's how we started this service, and that's how it's surviving. And I, I think Gaurav is here. Yeah. If not, Gaurav is the endocrinologist, and they're also starting this sort of a process in Keynes as we speak. Uh, if you see the literature in the past two to three years, this has become absolutely important of integrating physical health in mental health services, not the other way around. So I will finish my talk here. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.